You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot to... I can't remember. One thing came out real hot. What it said. And it was a huge deal the first time they made it, and they've slowly scaled it up, and it's been amazing every time yep. since. All right, guys, here we go. Pints and Provisions podcast back after a long sabbatical, I guess, uh, with summer around. A lot of us are vacationing, and obviously we vacation at different times, and so that's what happened. But we're glad to be back. It's August. We're going to get started with school, and summer's coming to a close, which is kind of a bummer, but... Uh, all is well because we're here. Evan here, Ryan to my left. Hello. And Kyle is here as well. Hello. We're going to start off, of course, with our beers of the week. Ryan seems to have one queued up, so fire away. Yeah, we were here. Uh, we still kept the Thursday tradition last week, Evan, when you were on vacation. And uh, we had a few really good beers here on the wall, as well as a few that some people brought in. Revolution VSOJ, very special mm. old jacket. Uh, okay. I think it uh, comes out probably November, December time frame. I feel like it's right around the time that Bourbon County releases theirs. Um, a 13.8% English barley wine. And it is a cuvee of English barley wines aged between two and three years in their favorite bourbon barrels. Um, Ooh. It's, uh, it's a special beer. It's, it's kind of, um, hard, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain because it's a barley wine and most people typically don't. Go, get blown away by barley wines and it's in a can it uh i don't know i feel like that all automatically people just assume it's not as good as if it were in a bomber right. with some really sexy wax we um, love that wax you know and it's by revolution brewery who i think generally speaking is probably a little bit underappreciated especially when it comes to their barrel game but recently i would say that people do give them the respect it's, that they deserve it's uh, i do believe you're correct they've gotten a lot of uh, instagram hype appreciation don't drink beers and i think <laughs> vsoj is is pretty popular and pretty well thought of but i think the people that haven't had it still are kind of skeptical about it and just don't understand how good it a barley wine could be, and it really is a special beer. I mean, they have they have hit the mark for what a perfect barrel-aged barley wine should be. Um, and I've only had it a couple times, but uh, I think Phil brought it last week, and uh, and it was fantastic, and it's aging gracefully, and awesome. It was fun. What was, what was the graphic in the Craft Beer and Brewing magazine when it was perceived hype of barley wines and it was the huge circle and the actual oh. hype of barley wine? It was a tiny circle outside of that circle. They were doing yeah. Venn, Venn diagrams yeah. of it. Yeah. That was one of my favorite. <laughs> um, they always do like a by the numbers kind of page, and yeah. that was perfect. Um, they understand and they you know the the hype and lack thereof and sort of everyone gets excited about barley wines, but when a barley wine is on tap, it like never goes. 
So, yeah, it was quite funny. There was one about Pilsners and Brewers. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the circles just completely overlap. Pilsner <laughs> drinkers, it was just Brewers. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of become like a, a, a meme for a lot of... Oh yeah, beer snobs and whatnot. Where it's the meme has some kind of uh, like Venn diagram type thing, or someone getting really excited about uh, pastry stouts and hazy, hazy IPAs. IPAs, and then you've got like the really really uh, well aged uh, beer drinker in the back corner that's drinking a pilsner or a barley wine, <laughs> or a doppelbach or something like that. <laughs> the uh, the green room in the Midwest Belgian beer fest for the brewers, twenty five pallets of. Perennial pills. Yeah, there you go. That and and speaking of, we'll talk about the Brewers uh, retreat that I went on. Uh, Phil Wymore said that they they just recently canned it. Yes, and it had always and the same with the Weldworks guys too. That basically it is the most, um, uh, not the most, but it is the beer that goes the fastest there because all of their brewers drink it and they usually <laughs> don't even put it on tap because it never makes it. So yeah, that'll just show you. All right, Kyle, you're up. So, being at the Midwest Belgian Beer Fest, boom. Uh, two so when weeks was ago, that? Two weeks two ago. Weeks ago yeah. Okay. Uh, I was working, so I didn't get a sample as much as I would like to. I, I missed out on BCV, uh, FVM from uh, Three Floyds. Missed out on Super Soak Peach from Trillium, and Ooh. a few others. But I did make a beeline before anyone else was let in the doors to get my hands on Mama Noche. Um, so this was a collab between Perennial and um, Weldworks, Weldworks, Weldworks in yeah. Greeley, Colorado. So talking to Phil, he was pouring it. They made only, or they took two sixtals of Maman and sent those to Weldworks, yep. and they grabbed two sixtals of um, Media Noche. So four sixtals probably gives you, what, a hundred and... 50 bottles, maybe? Yeah, I think it was like 150 or 170 bottles that were made, and they were all numbered. I received my bottle at the Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine Brewers Retreat. So that... So <coughs> is it actually two separate beers brewed, yeah. barrel-aged separately? Yeah, they... they and then blended and after then they they're blended. done barrel-aging? Yep. Oh, okay. So the, the actual description is a blend of perennial Maman, barrel-aged imperial stout, and Weldworks 19-month-old Midi Noche aged in a Woodford Double Oak Barrel, specially so they, selected for this blend. Oh, okay. So they there was a little bit of... and barrel aged it again. Okay. So wow. it's a 12.91% uh, Imperial Stout, obviously. Um, both of the beers I've had separately, and they're, Amazing. they're, they're two of my favorite. And smelling this, it, it smelled like a, a newer stout, like it was going to be hot, but incredibly smooth. Smooth, smooth. Just smooth. perfect as both of those breweries. Every stout they they make is just delicious. So, but uh, I also got to sample. So that's probably my stout of the week. Uh, that's exciting. Will. We should do a stout and a non-stout of the week. <laughs> <laughs> my sour of the week came from uh, become one of my absolute favorite breweries, the Funk Factory. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. So they they brought four different beers. One of them was a magnum of their Fram Gauden, which is part of their Fram series, Fram Warts, Fram. Yeah. I think Booze. Fram Booze. Booze, is booze, booze um, or Booze is one it, of them. It's just for different berries that they put in it. So Fram Gauden is the first release of our Method Traditional blend aged on two pounds per gallon of golden raspberries oh, from yeah. a local Wisconsin berry farm to complement the juicy acidity and 
intense vibrancy of the fruit, we used some of our most well-balanced oaky method traditional in our stock. And that's the beer was perfectly perfect. balanced. It was absolutely perfect. The, the golden raspberry is not a berry I've had in beer before, and it doesn't have any of the jammy qualities of like a red raspberry or black raspberry. So it's just incredibly smooth, very light, the oaky. Um, yeah. The extra age on the, the method traditional, the oaky, heavy oak there really balanced it out, and it was just a perfectly balanced sour. And I was drinking plenty of other well-known St. Louis sours and other it was it's the Belgian beer fest so out of all of the sours there that one stood out by far yeah I feel like Fug Factory at this point is one that you read that description and it sounds amazing but I think you can set your expectations high and they're going to be met like I think that they're really consistent and oh they're doing, doing great they're doing just such a great job right now that um and they're underappreciated probably more than one of the oh absolutely just about any brewery in the in the country i think um besides maybe like holy mountain yeah, but they're they're um, releasing their I, they've uh, got it's, a, it's incredible they've got to be less under job. the radar than almost any other you know sour maker sour beer maker absolutely farmhouse saison how wild ale beer maker that is out there and they still aren't getting the credit they really deserve yeah so today they're Good releasing stuff. their uh, Fram Quartet. That I saw. I'm, I'm trying to I was going to text on. you about it, and I was like, is Kyle up there today? And I said, nope, he's going to be <laughs> podcasting tonight, so it's not even worth the text. Yeah. I was really excited for a split second and then really let down. I think I'm getting an all-black everything, so. <laughs> okay, that'll make up for it. Um, I was in Michigan this last week. Uh, Northern Michigan, love it to death. Uh, drank a lot of great Live Oak pills and Live Oak Hefeweizen, so I appreciate uh, Max Rohrer sending those to me, and I uh, very much Roar. enjoyed those on the boat. So good. But uh, beyond that, we know those are great. Uh, I had a lo- uh, up there in Ludington, uh, Michigan, is Ludington Bay Brewing Company. We stopped there, and I grabbed a six-pack of their first Curve IPA. It's a West Coast-style IPA, 6.8%. Great, nice bitter, uh, you know, that piney bitter, uh, which feels great when you're up north, and then that nice um, malt heavy malt backbone that you expect out of a West Coast IPA. So it just kind of hit the spot between Pilsners and Hefeweizens that you need something bitter and something malty that sort of served the, the purpose. I didn't really drink anything beyond or north of 7 8% up there. You know, you're outside, you're spending the day, you want something light, you want to be able to drink it. That and some Traverse City Whiskey Company um, American Cherry Whiskey, which was nice. Of course, they make that with uh, interesting some Cher- Michigan cherries. Nice cherry wood. Um, so those were those, that was at least my favorite of the week. Let's get into this because we've cracked some of the beers. I did receive the shipment of the beers that myself and some of the other attendees at the Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine Brewers Retreat made. Um, and a lot of our listeners don't really know what that is because we've continued to hold off this discussion yeah, <laughs> about what that even is. Evan. And I think it was good to wait until we got these beers. The timing is great. Which um, you know, we'll kind of delve into a little bit more. But uh, All of our vacations coincidentally um, <laughs> kept us from having many recordings for the past few weeks and timed up perfectly it, to where these beers landed. The beers landed two days ago. Talking about it. The Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, if you don't have it and you're an enthusiast... Um, Go out and subscribe to it. Kyle, you have a subscription. I've got a subscription. Yep. I it just is subscribed a, yesterday. It is a great, uh, high-quality... my last subscription went bankrupt. <laughs> high-quality... Um, Peer pressure. ...magazine. Yeah. They do a lot of great stories about brewers, about breweries, uh, beer reviews, uh, equipment reviews. They have a lot of good journalists like John Hall, who does other podcasts. The uh, senior editor was there. Uh, a lot of the higher-ups of the magazine were there at the Brewers Retreat, but they put on an annual retreat 
where it's about a th- four-night um, and three-day excursion to a location. And ours was in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, where you get to meet, talk with, and collaborate and brew with um, professional brewers. At this brewer brewing retreat, we had Henry uh, Nguyen from Monkish. We had Neil Fisher from Weldworks. We had Sean Lawson from Lawson's Finest Liquids. There was Vinny um, uh, Colurzo from Russian River. Um, who am I forgetting? J.C. Tetro, oh. J.C. and Esther. She was there, too. Uh, we had Phil Wymore and his wife of Perennial there. I'm forgetting. And locations of those alone, you've got Northern California, L.A., Colorado, St. Oh, Louis, and we on had top of the East Coast. But I mean, Sam Richardson from Other Half. People were flying in from all over the place for this and thing. I mean, it, one last one, Jason Perkins from Allagash. Yeah. So, yeah, you have a representation. And it's interesting to see these guys because, as you would imagine in your professions, when you get together conferences or you get together things and there's always people from around the country you make it to know, these guys are not dissimilar. They are kind of in that same, I think, echelon of brewery and no, and, and sort of uh, notoriety that they've all kind of made it. They're all well-known, but they're all kind of still smaller, but they all know each other. Like, they're like friends. I'm convinced that's the only reason any of these guys host uh, beer fest is they so they do. can all hang out with each other, brew yes. together, and yes. get hammered together. They said that exactly. For quote-unquote work. Yeah. Because <laughs> when, like, and in, in speaking specifically with Henry, I mean, the dude is dog-tired back in L.A. working because their brew schedule is a grind. But these, like, beer festivals and collaborations are a way for them to get together with their true friends, which are, like, J.C. and Sam from Other Half, where... You know, they have, I'm sure, friends back in their hometowns, but they don't get to spend time with them because they're working so much. And that's what was so cool to learn from these guys is what their everyday life was like. Um, yeah, and when you, you mentioned that about Henry Monkish, and I, I kind of, when you told me this a, month, a couple months ago or a few weeks ago um, about the grind, you, it's kind of hard to picture that when you think of how good their beers are and how popular their beers are, but then... You know, we, I think we both have been to the Monkish Brewery. Yeah. And it is tiny. Small. And so then when you think about putting that together with how small it is and how many beers they release yep. on either a weekly or monthly basis, because we follow them on Instagram, it's like, okay, you kind of put those together and think about it. It's like, yes, that grind is absolutely believable because it must be an incredible amount of work to be pumping that much beer out in that small of a facility. And yep. when your weld works, Boiling your beer for what thirty six hours? Right. Yeah, that's a takes whole, a little bit a whole of time. Different story, but yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know you learn a lot about the behind the scenes stuff about what it is. It's not like this super glamorous lifestyle no. that uh, a lot of people think it is. It is a lot of work, and you know if you're and it's all about space and volume. You know these guys are putting out a certain amount of volume, but on the front end they have only a certain amount of volume to boil with, a certain amount of volume in their fermenters, and getting the turnover is a constant you know, process and constant work. So that was really interesting to learn from these guys. Um, just to kind of sideway into what we're drinking, these are some of the beers, um, a couple of which I did brew with the brewers, but a couple of which were kind of included in the package. But we got to um, make beers with the brewers, their recipes, and they were fermented packaged and then sent to us and again that's what landed 
Um, did you get any input on the recipes at all, or did they come not with really. the recipe? They pretty, I mean, ready they, to go. They pretty much had what they wanted to go because getting ingredients and everything was important. So, like for example, the first day, um, and I did this with one of my best friends from St. Louis. His name's Mark. I uh, went to medical school with him, and we've been eyeing this for a long time. And so we got to go together. He's a big craft beer and brewing. Uh, home brewer enthusiast. Uh, Vinny uh, was the first person, him and his wife, nicest people. Um, they were so interested in like talking to us about our backgrounds and what we all do. I mean, you've got a mix of people at this thing that some of which own breweries, small breweries, and want to learn more. Some of which want to open a brewery and learn more. Some of which are hobbyists. Some of which are... There was one woman there who was just on a beer cation. She had no interest in brewing. She just wanted to hang out and chill. Nice. And that was kind of cool. I mean, it was everybody. Old, young, Middle age, you know, professionals. Um, it was a lot of fun getting to know those, some of those people. But Vinny, we did uh, basically a clone of his uh, Sanctification, which is their Brett Blonde. So that's what we did. It was bottled. I think it's great. Uh, I think it needs time, as we were mentioning. It needs a little time to, to carbonate a little carb bit more. Carb is really, really low. Yeah. But for a Brett beer, it has all those Brett characteristics. Other than the carb, it's great. And a Brett beer, you almost expect it to be overcarbed. Like yeah. you, you pour it into a small glass like this, and you maybe get about a fourth of it full because the rest yeah. of it overflows with foam. So and it was the exact opposite. Here's what we'll it do. Is, it's terrific. Is in a year, I've got another bottle. We'll pop another one in about a year. Perfect. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> so I say, I, yeah, put one behind. I will say that we did get a can of the JC Tetro and Teams double IPA, oxidized, so it was kind of grayish. Probably a packaging issue. Uh, obviously, this one you didn't brew, right? I did not, so I can I can take no blame for the way it looks and tastes. I guarantee it was no issue with Evan the process. Evan asked Kyle to ask that question. So. No, we'll kind of we'll kind of move on from just that kidding. one. Just for clarification, we also Evan have did not brew that one. Sean Lawson's uh, Maple Amber. Can't um, believe you put maple in it. Yeah, shocker. Yeah, I Sean was uh, he, he kind of was like your dad. Um, really kind guy, very soft spoken. Uh, he was a forestry major before he went into brewing. And if any of you know the inception of Lawson's Finest Liquids, he used to basically brew in his garage. People used to show up at his house thinking that they were coming to a brewery for a tap room. Right. <laughs> and he's like, uh, this is where I live. <laughs> it's the business's address. It's, it's business not his address. tap room. Um, but now he has a full-fledged, beautiful brewery. And if you ever go out to Burlington area, I think you'll be in for a treat if you go there. But, of course, as you would expect someone from Vermont, he brought um, a lot, a lot, a lot of Vermont maple syrup to brew this maple amber. Um, not a lot of maple on the nose. I get a lot of maple on the palate. It was used in the boil. They used eight pounds for a uh, 10-gallon batch, which is a lot. They use maple sap or syrup? Syrup. It was syrup. So I know what Scratch has just replaced all of the water with maple sap before. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good. I like this. This is kind of like... I'm not a big amber fan, and I, it's I almost like this hitting my palate like these Pilsners and Hefeweizens are right now where it's it's light, it's flavorful. It, it does have a it's lot of flavor crisp. in the palate. I mean, it's I assume the alcohol content can't be more than maybe five and a half to six. Yeah, I'd have to bring up the spec sheet because um, I had to... But um, it's, you gotta watch yourself with all that sugar. The maple's fairly strong, but it's still kind of subdued. But it's it goes... I mean, it's a nice combination with the amber. Ho. Oh. They were actually shooting for a 10%. <laughs> Told you you got to watch yourself oh, with the maybe. sugar. Okay. 
all syrup is sugar. Dang. Okay, so, so looking at the spec sheet. So I do don't, you think it's 10%? I don't know. Um, there's not a lot of info that I got on the back end. I mean, basically what they did was all of the beers that we fermented were the put into... hidden like Corey, Corey King's stuff. Oh, yeah. It's very possible <laughs> that that could be. Um, all of these were sent to a local, like very local brewery to sort of uh, monitor fermentation and then package, which, you know... Obviously, I think that's what happened with the JC double IPA, but that's pretty good. Um, and then the last yeah, one like that we brought was the Neil Fisher and team's uh, coffee vanilla stout. And I saw them because I wasn't brewing with Neil when they brewed this. Uh, we did an IPA, which apparently the yield was very low and they only got like a case out of. And so I, I didn't get one. What have they you? couldn't do those six or eight ounce cans. <laughs> I think so everyone got I, some. And I saw them, uh, they were, I mean, they split down the vanilla beans. They were, I mean, they were intense in making sure the, the vanilla and the coffee was ready to go into this stout. So, well, there's not getting a ton of vanilla, but there's coffee, coffee like crazy. And they also soaked it in a lot of bourbon too, the vanilla that is, which is a way to extract a lot of more of the vanilla, almost like making a tincture that you put into the beer. That's the mouth feels great. I just got That's a great. huge shipment of coffee in this past week and... So I've just been smelling the beans like every time I'm in the kitchen and it's just I like just coffee. love it. And it's just coffee. The nose on this is just, just like that. It's just kind of like fresh ground beans. It's really, really roasty. And yeah. So how I love that to start a beer with that. How did they put the coffee in the beer? Did they oh. steep the beans? Did they do a, a press, cold brew? Let's get the spec sheet I out. I got to get the spec sheet out because, again, um, we brewed an IPA with him, not this. Um, vanilla beans, roasted coffee. Oh, they put it in the secondary. Uh, this does also have a little lactose. So they dry hopped ground coffee? Yep. Is that it? Okay. Yep. They roasted some, yeah, they did the dry hop, kind of a dry hopping in the coffee. And they uh, used, it looks like 16 ounces, so a pound of coffee. And do they use that term like we do when we say dry hop with coffee? Is that what they call it? Or yeah. is it a, is it? I'll just a, put it in the secondary. Is it a, Different technical Secondary term. edition, I would say. Is Secondary the, edition. The yeah. technical term. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously it's not dry hopping. Right. But, but that's, that's what we always, that's the that's way we we always, always refer it to. Yeah, but like a secondary edition. And when they were when they were making these, were they pretty technical with terminology and oh lingo and things like that? I mean, they all speak the same language, so does it just kind of come naturally? And yeah. That's just how it goes? Yeah. Um, when we were brewing the IPA with Neil, which that was the second day, he was constantly going back and using Beersmith, which is a... Um, computer program that will kind of on the fly calculate as you change things. It's a very daunting computer program if you yeah. ever use it. Well, Neil looked at it like it I was think nothing. That's what Peoria Brewing had. I feel like I remember seeing it is Adam there using it. Intense program. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of like, oh, well, here's our gravity at this point. And he would go back and kind of change things and see where we needed to go with things. So it was definitely a um, constantly making adjustments, constantly paying attention to things like gravity and they always use play-doh all the brewers use play-doh they don't give a crap about gravity they kind of look at play-doh as being their measure of the sugar and water uh, it's kind of like metric versus english you know um but they were constantly making adjustments and looking at things that was everyone not just one group or one. pretty much okay now all Vinny wanted to talk about was brett the whole time because he loves brett <laughs> um being in wine country his parents uh, we're part of the wine industry, and so him growing up, that's why he was so exposed to not only just fermented liquids, but Brett in particular, and knowing winemakers, their disdain and sort of um, uh, f uh, frightened nature when it comes to Brett. 
they uh, he loves brewing with it though. He loves using it in beers. It's really cool to see. Uh, I think all of us, and I think Kyle's probably the veteran with beer here, but all of us have been a part of the craft beer kind of scene for seven or eight years at this point now, and maybe a little bit more on the veteran side of things. But and to me, it's really cool to see Russian River still kind of one of the meccas of the West Coast. Staying strong. Staying strong, still a huge name. They're not one of those that uh, kind of just was popular maybe in the mid-2000s or early 20. 10, 11, or whatever, and then just kind of died down because they couldn't keep up with the pace of everyone else and all this growth. But you've got Russian River on the west, and you've got Hill Farmstead on the east, and they've been around for a long time. Russian River since the 90s, but even Hill Farmstead that started in late 2000s that just continue to pump out great things. They're still considered kind of a Mecca-type location, and anyone that likes beer that goes to wine country is going to find a way to go to Santa Rosa. Yeah, and I think from hearing him talk about it, it's kind of the constant... um, push and dedication to make it better um you know trying to push the limits and make the margin of error smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller i mean i heard him talk just about packet uh, packaged oxygen and measuring oxidation in their packaging and it was just like they continued to narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow the sort of guidelines as to what they measured in their beers and it just constantly made them better and better and i think that attention to detail is always why great good breweries become great and where good breweries can get bad if they don't pay attention to those things. Yeah, for their beers, that's a huge deal. Package ox- package oh, oxygen because yeah. I mean you let those beers sit for ten years and they should be still good. Absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. Um, the first day that we went out of the, I should say the first two days, uh, my buddy Mark and I hit up the Portland beer scene. And I was just gonna say, tell me about Portland, Maine. So if you've never <laughs> been, especially to, in June and July, I mean, I mean it was uh, a bit chilly uh, at night, but in the it, during the day, it was beautiful. Um, it's an interesting town. Obviously, it's right there on the bay. Um, they've got a lot of great breweries and very, very small breweries. As we went there, the first place, of course, that we hit up was Bissell Brothers. They have a new location. Uh, it's beautiful. It's uh, not as huge as you may think it would be, um, but they're very good. They're very efficient. They've always got some great beers. They had some good Pilsners on They had a good Pilsner on tap. They had great IPAs on tap. They have a very uh, kind of skater, um, kind of a spray paint graffiti kind of a, a, a theme and vibe uh, to their brewery. Uh, they did have cans to go, so of course we loaded up on what we could on cans because we needed beers to drink while we... Well, we didn't need beers to drink at the conference, but we figured we'd bring some more. It could never hurt. It could never hurt. Um, we ran into the uh, representatives of SS Brewtech while we were at Bissell Brothers, so we got to talk to them nice. about nerdy stuff like equipment they're we, putting out some sweet equipment right now <laughs> very sweet and out we, of my price range but sweet we went to uh, oxbow brewing uh we went to uh, a place called eventide oyster company which had great lobster lobster rolls battery street uh oh or battery well, steel okay. so this was the first night and then you oh. know the next day oh yeah slow, i forgot slow, slow down, slow down buddy. two weeks slow down buddy easy now um we uh, we, we went go to my brewer's retreat vacation, but I'm going to spend two or three days before it starts <laughs> and have my own vacation. <laughs> we, it, it didn't start till three. Sorry, o- you can cut that if we didn't, has a problem with this already. <laughs> we didn't start till three o'clock. Fly in, fly out. <laughs> Absolutely <Yeah>. not. <laughs> yeah. On Sunday, and we figured uh, you've got to go out a day ahead of time, and so we used that time to visit the breweries. We um, we we weren't going to already hit that. The cheap flight was three days before. It was uh, saved, the cheapest. Saved a lot of money. <laughs> saved I swear. Tons of money. <laughs> And then on on Sunday, the Brewers Retreat converged and started at Allagash, 
which didn't start till three. Well, so happens there's this little industrial park right next to Allagash, like right next to it. And it has like four breweries, Battery Steel, Foundation, Austin Street Brewery, and Definitive. And so, of course, they all opened up at noon. We hit that up at noon. And for three hours, we brewery hopped, walked. And it's where Allagash in Maine started. Is that right? In that, um, in that business park? Maine Beer Company did for sure. I can't recall if Allagash started over there. Or maybe there Bissell. Exactly. Maybe that was where Bissell started. But uh, I always... And they they refer to then. it as like the incubator of yeah. Portland breweries. So you've got those breweries. So we hit all those. Uh, foundation was great. I personally like Austin Street the best. Um, Battery Steel didn't have a ton of uh, beers on tap, but... I mean, these, these guys are like nano breweries, very tiny. Yeah. And then Definitive was relatively new, and they got some good stuff. And then we started Allagash, and Allagash is like this, albeit still kind of small brewery. Beautiful. I miss Allagash. Beautiful. It used to be in Peoria. Beautiful brewery. Obviously, Allagash. Their demand got so big that they re, uh, re-adjusted yeah, their, they, uh, they had, they their had distribution. Yeah, unfortunately. The Allagash White, uh, on tap, fresh there, is just incredible. And all the brewers were drinking it. That's what they, they were drinking. It's delicious. We got to see their cool ship, which, you know, Jason Perkins, the brewer there, says he thinks that a lot of the native flora that actually is now inoculating a lot of those cool ship beers are actually probably just in the walls and in the room. Not as much as, like, flowing in and out of the, the windows that they open up. It's like Cantillon. At this point, they just accidentally make a phenomenal beer. <laughs> probably. <laughs> There's nothing they can do about it. It's just <laughs> going to be delicious. <laughs> So uh, from there, we took the bus up to Booth Bay Harbor, and we had a bottle share that night, which was really fun uh, because, of course, like all the brewers brought a lot of their beers. Like Neil brought a, you know, case of different media noches. Um, You tried Mama Noche. We tried that that on the night. No, not that that night. That was until the next day. That was part of one of the quote seminars. (laughs) Seminars meant you just drank at least nine to ten tastings of beers starting at 9.30 in the morning. Um, but the bottle share was cool because there's a lot of people bringing stuff. And I think that the sentiment of most of the guys there, guys and gals that were there bringing beers, weren't there to be like um, snobby with, like, we brought this huge bottle and I'm not going to share it. And most people, like, I tell you what, Kyle, you'll love this. When I busted out the Danish Saison, that was well received. That was Funk, funk Factory. Factory, yep. The Danish Saison was it's such a good beer. It's a great beer. Um, but people brought a lot of regional stuff, and that's what I tried to do is bring stuff from around here that I think is awesome. And so did a lot of people. But, of course, all the brewers brought, like I told you, at one point my favorite beer of the week was that Intinction, which is the Sauvignon Blanc um, Blonde. By Russian River. By Russian yep. River. And, like, Vinny just brought cooler full of it. Of course. Um, but hanging out with those guys in a very... But you brought back at Marshmallow Hangy by Three Floyds, and people were kind of like, okay. But then this Danish Saison got people excited. <laughs> it was really unique. And the guys, the, st- <laughs> the type of people that were there were definitely going to be more excited about a beer like that than the oh, Walesboro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, or now, Pastry Stout or whatever the you guy, call there it. Was, there were some guys there from Chicago, and they loved and they really appreciated the Hangy because they know Three Floyds. They know yeah. what Hangy really means. Um, and I think everybody brought a lot of regional stuff. Um, but having like Phil pour that day's release of Barrel Age Abraxas for me is the unreal. day before, right? Oh, sorry, the day before. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got 
Sean Lawson poured a Canadian whiskey barrel-aged maple triple. Oh. That was cool. All right. Because he was really all about the, like, Canadian whiskey. Of course he is. Of course. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, eight Obviously, miles yeah. from Montreal, so <laughs> it makes sense. And then, um, let's see, I don't know. If you live that close to Canada, why would you care any bit about bourbon? bourbon. Yeah, Kentucky's it, a different country, absolutely. not Canada. But uh, I, I, my favorite brewer to get to know actually was Neil. A very down-to-earth guy. Um, has a big heart with uh, a lot of the things that they do, especially with the Weldworks Invitational and giving back to their community. I really want to go to that. Um, I think it's continuing to grow in popularity and size and uh, what it does for the, the community and what it does for the, the funds that it raises for. Um, a lot of these guys brought their wives, which is kind of cool. They can just sort of hang out and you can get to know them in the setting of a very personal um, setting and kind of get to know their wives and what their perspective is on being married to a pro brewer. It was kind of interesting. Um, the way that the days were kind of structured, the, f- the, the first part of your day was doing a quote seminar, but it was mostly tasting beers, asking them, uh, about those beers or asking them random questions. Like the first day you had Sam and Henry and they shared a, of course, a ton of hazy IPAs, but you know, Monk has shared a lot of their, uh, saisons and their like the stuff that they started their business for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, it was fun asking them questions about that specifically. Like Sam hates naming beers, hates it. Naming beers is one of the most difficult things he says or annoying things that he does. And they also talked about like artwork on their can. And recently, if you guys haven't noticed, Monkish has uh, changed a lot of the artwork on their cans. It's because they used to, Henry used to do the artwork, but he finally hired it out because he got, didn't have time. So I can and relate. You said originally there was a back backlash against that, like people yep. like, thought they were drinking something different, yeah, or Monkish was just this? changing things up too the, much. The Monkish Haze Bros, I could see I mean, that. But I can sh- relate to the disdain of naming beers because I'm probably the least creative person I know. So home brewing, I have a couple of friends that probably naming the beer is their favorite part. Yeah. Mine, uh, they've been IPA 001, 002, 003, and so on and so forth. And after you get to 10, it'll be like 001B. I got up, I got up to 999 to, before I need to figure out something new. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable in it. Yeah. Well, and that, yeah, that was the funny thing. And I found that, you know, Henry and Sam were kind of, I mean, those guys are very good friends. They really are. They showed up to the seminar, both wearing black pants and black sweatshirts, plain. They were just kind of meta hipsters. It was really <laughs> funny. Um, but they were super sort of like kind of quiet guys. Um, the next day you had Phil and Neil uh, do the seminar. And, of course, that's when we got to taste the Mama Noche, which they opened up the bottles that weren't all of ours. Um, but we kept those, and I, I have one safely at home. So we'll have an opportunity at some point to crack that. Such a good beer. Yeah. So you brewed two different beers on two different days, right? Yep. So will the second batch that you brewed, will that be shipped to you too? No. As I mentioned, and what I heard from one of the guys that was kind of in charge of getting it shipped out, they had some packaging issues. And so I won't be getting that one. 
Did they have packaging issues with just that one, or was it a multitude That one of specifically, okay. he just told me. Because I asked him, like, hey, I brewed this beer. Uh, I'm just curious. Like, I'm not disappointed, but just, like, what happened to it? Was so it bad? So these four are the only ones you'll, you'll be yep. ending up with. Okay. Well, I got six total, but I got, oh, I've got another of the Neil Fishers, the Stouts. That's and delicious. I have enough, another Brett Golden. Terrific. Probably the two best was, out of the bag. Well, I was going to say, we need to talk about these a, a little bit and just... All right, go for it. What do you think All of as, the, the, as far as rankings? The maple amber will just KO you, so I'm glad we figured out that that was, <laughs> was like a secretive 20% stout. It's like 10%. Yeah. I was like, all right, maybe no more sips I'm for gonna me. I'm going to crack this one by myself, and it's just an amber. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm the, the Neil Fisher stout, coffee vanilla stout, I'm pretty sure that's probably somewhere around the 10, 9 to 10% range from what I remember. Uh, but I again, think that is a standout favorite of mine for this. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. Especially, you know, these have all set out a little bit, so it's warmed up a little bit, and so there's the vanillas come through just perfectly for me, and the coffee's, coffee's balanced out well with it. It is fantastic, and then the coffee's kind of overpowering in the best way possible. I love it. Yeah, it's terrific. But you're probably talking to three guys who don't really care about right. how strong the coffee is, where I'm sure that there are some people out there who are like, eh, I'm not really in for that. Heavy, heavy coffee. So these are right up my alley. I think the uh, sanctification. I think clone, that needs time. We'll see. It probably needs time. The flavor is on point. It's, I like it's the flavor. Fantastic. It needs to have a lot of more, a lot more effervescence. Yeah. To and it, then we talked about the maple one a lot because we were shocked with the ABV and then the the oxidized a little bit uh, hazy. So yeah. overall, I mean, it's great. Good stuff. Yep. So. All right, I got maybe two more questions because I know we're probably close on time here. But uh, what was your most memorable part of that trip? <laughs> the lobster rolls. The lobster rolls. That's all right. That's a horrible honestly, Boston accent. It would Cut probably that. terrible. <laughs> terrible. Leave <laughs> it in. It's like lobster, mixed with lobster Tennessee. Rolls. No, no definitely leave that in. <laughs> yeah, leave it in. Um, <laughs> I think. We haven't even drank that much. All right, I'll give you a, a, it's both the same. I think in in a very broad sense, I think one of the best part of it, parts of it, was getting to interact with these brewers on just a, a guy, I, just sort of a very down-home level. Nobody's there treating, I mean, they're all rock stars, obviously, in our eyes. But when you bring them there with a very small group of people, you can just interact with them like they're normal. It's less of a fanboy type of situation. Definitely. These so I, I've been at Side Project, obviously, many times, and Corey King is usually there. My wife's like, go and talk to him. I'm like, no, that's weird. Like, he's working. Like, that's the last thing he wants. It's just some random dude walking up to him like, hey, man, your, your beer's good. <laughs> well, well like, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, did I did I mention that the night before I drove down to St. Louis? The night before we, because I, I flew out of St. Louis, that I went to Side Project to have BVC, uh, and Corey showed up for that day to drop a bunch of beers off. And yeah, anyway, but I think just interacting with them with no sort of expectation on ours or their part. Um, but honey, you, I have to go to Portland, Maine two days early, but I also have to go to St. Louis to fly out. So I need to go there I, early. Too. It was not a strategic <laughs> the move at all. Cheapest flight I could I'll find. See you next I week. <laughs> wink, wink. But the very last night, um, they had like a main cabin that they hosted the bottle shares, and all the brewers are there. It's getting late. Some people are starting to peel off. We're in the uh, kitchen drinking Shocker uh, Trillium Pilsners. Lovely. 
Obviously. And our fanboy of whiskey, Neil Fisher, shows up with a uh, Bell Mead that he and you know this is this is just for this, this is for adults only. It was taking polls off of the Bell Mead with Henry from Monkish, Neil, Vinny, um, late at night, eating Tostitos out of a bag. <laughs> that was probably like kind of where I was like, this is so cool. This is cool. Um, that's when I think one of my favorite moments. I was like, I'll never forget this. This is so cool. What was your most surprising part of the whole event? Um, I can't, I don't want to say that it was, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but for the amount of effort that goes into planning this kind of thing, it was super well organized, but it wasn't over-programmed. Because obviously all of us like are kind of indulging a lot, but nothing started until 9.30 in the morning the next day. So there was no expectation at getting up at like eight o'clock for a seminar. And they kind of pulled away on like the second night. There was no bottle share. So people can kind of go and get some rest. So I think the, the, the logistics of it were very. It was planned out for mature adults who are going to be drinking a decent amount of beer. Exactly. You know, and the way it should be. Exactly. Because like the last night they did a beer. And we're expecting college kids to come and just party their butt off. And nobody, and nobody Guys are going to be, they're going to come. They're going to have people with kids and jobs and professions and things. And And nobody got out of control. Nobody was irresponsible. Nobody broke anything. Nobody got, you know out of control to the point that they needed I mean it was like everyone acted like an adult yeah that's always nice and you could see these kind of things easily could go out of control so I think that that was another one of the and I think the logistics of it and the planning of what they had going and when they had it going really facilitated that. for sure so awesome and I wouldn't I would I know they've done these in other places. They've done one in Oregon. They've done one in Denver. They've done one in Austin, Texas. So it's not in Portland, Maine every year? No. But oh. this was the first time they've gone back to a location they've okay. been before. And this, like... I say, I thought I'd been in Maine before. This, this was the first one was there. This, was, this is the kind of resort that if you guys ever wanted to take a vacation with your families, with your wives, go to this place. The Spruce Point Inn in Booth Bay Harbor was beautiful. Um... But I don't, I mean, like, I don't know how they could plan it any better. It was not too short. It was not too long. It was, like, perfect, perfect amount of time. I just want a three-day intensive boot camp on brewing Pilsners at Live Oak in Austin. <laughs> Great. <It> sounds <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that was the other funny thing. Like, if we, all, we all joke, and everyone jokes about how Pilsners are the brewer's beer. Like, all of these guys, like, why do you think JC brought a pallet of, like, Pilsners of his own? Palettes. For himself, they just go through. It's and in, in in the other one, um, he brought the super soaks yeah. and stuff for other people to drink, and then a <laughs> yeah. pallet of pills yeah, for himself. Yeah, and the other the other funny thing was that when like it was, you got to watch what the brewers drink. They were drinking um, because of what was available at the resort to purchase. They were all drinking either Allagash White or they were drinking the Bissell Brothers Baby Genius, which is their session hazy IPA. Four percent, and it is a phenomenal beer. Like it has all the flavors you want out of a hazy, but it's four percent and it's light. And they were all drinking those two beers the whole time. Yeah, you got to follow the guys that drink you all day long for a living. Yeah, yeah. When everybody's getting tanked on like hazy IPAs and stouts, the brewers are like, "Well, I know what to do here." 
Well, I caught myself last weekend. I was uh, we were going to some friends for dinner on Saturday. We're trying to figure out a few beers or whatever to bring, and I caught myself because I have, I don't know, four to six Live Oak pills and Hefeweizens, oh, so and then good. a few hazy IPAs. And uh, so I was being really selective on, oh, can I bring two of the Live Oaks, <laughs> maybe three? But I'll sacrifice oh, as many of the hazies I need to, but can I just try to decide that? And it was just like, yeah, this is new. I mean, I'm really on this Pilsner kick, and um, a year ago I would have been like, oh, one, maybe two hazy, because i got to save it for clean palate and all this stuff. And it's, it's, yeah, it's they're, flipped. They're so good. And, and the Live Oak is so good that it just... Oh, so it was perfect. They're, they're updating their license or getting a new license where they're going to be able to sell packaged beer from their brewery. And I think they're planning on selling their IPA as well, which is brewed with the same rigor as their pills. I've it's heard it's good. Actually, I think I, I, think I had it phenomenal. at Banger Sausage House, but I don't remember it. But um, yeah, the, They're doing a great job. Oh, though, yeah. And I know that the Texas beer laws are so backwards and so yeah. convoluted. Um, I'm sure that whatever they're trying to do is just to help get their beers to the masses. But I, I am so thankful for Max for sending all those. All right. We've got a couple other that we're going to sip on. But um, now we don't have to talk about or hint at this anymore. Um, I'm glad I got to just kind of let it all out. It was fun talking to you guys about it. Uh, if anybody gets a chance to go to something like this, it's a one-in-a-lifetime experience. Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, of course, puts it on. So look to their issues in their magazine to uh, look for opportunities to participate in this. But uh, I did come away with some knowledge, thankfully. So I think I'll be um, more thoughtful in some of the things that I've done. But, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I was going to give a shout-out to this beer we just opened. It's called Bella by Civil Society Brewing. So thanks to uh, our buddy Andy, Andy who lives this I don't is know, delicious. 10, 15 minutes from Civil Society. So we've kind of started a little bit of a trend to get a little care package here and there from uh, Civil Society and some other Florida breweries. But uh, Jay Wakefield. A barrel-aged imperial stout, 11% with vanilla, maple, and coffee. So uh, this is a nice thing to change from a little bit of what we had. So shout-out to that. Thanks, Andy. This was fun. All right. Thanks, thanks Poor Brothers, to, uh, for Poor hosting. Brothers. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thanks. Guys. Cheers.